And I've got a question for you. Who is the most important person right here in this congregation? No, I don't mean, you know, beside from God. Who is the most important person? You know, if, why I'm asking that question is, we had the Feast of Tabernacles. Who was the most important person way back why Tabernacles was made? Wasn't it that there would be a Savior born? So am I right if I say it would be considered a baby? So where will we put an emphasis today is our children. Amen. I have a great concern. You know, as I see a joy and a concern, as I see through this congregation what is happening, I see a tremendous amount of young people marrying in the faith. Amen. I mean, isn't it the fourth wedding this year already? Or the three? Four. Last year was the same thing. And, and young people that want to stay in the faith. Amen. Raise children in the faith. Amen. And I'm thinking, how are we upholding our young people? Amen. Our children? and our young adults, and our young married families. And I've come to realize, you know, a few things, and it came to the forefront of me, especially the last few weeks, about a church. You know, that there was even a conference called for to, to start, how to start churches. You know, our young people want to come to churches. How do we treat people inside the churches today, in our midst? You know, we emphasize on a few things, isn't it? We emphasize on the law. My interpretation of the law. Where does it put your children? And where I want to start... You know, this was a few years ago, you know, when I was in, a, in a armed services in South Africa. We were on a patrol there, you know, against Angola. And, you know, as we woke up in the morning, you know, you have to sit at the first light. You have to really be attentive everything around you. And I noticed, you know, there's a spider web between two bushes. And these bushes were six, six to ten feet apart. And a huge spider, you know, it was probably the size of my hand, with her legs out, a yellow and black spider. And, you know, as it got more light, we, I saw some grasshoppers, and I caught a grasshopper, and I squashed it, and I threw that grasshopper into the spider web. What did that spider do? Absolutely nothing. So I caught another one. It was a time that spiders, uh, the grasshoppers lay eggs, so they were easy to catch. So I caught another one and threw a live grasshopper about a foot away from the old other one, and that spider instantaneously reacted. 
it caught that grasshopper in its legs and rolled it as it built a cocoon around it. And I want to use that example. If our young people, in this time that we are moving into, this dark clouds moving into, how are we treating our young people? Are we a spider web that can hold them in and bring the life once in? Are we as families, as fathers, as a church, able to build a cocoon around our young people that they feel secure, safeguarded? I was also young once, just if, uh, recent. <laughs> and I know how I felt. You know, you wanted more. But what did you see? You saw the elderly reason and argue and fight about law. Yes. How did it make me feel that I almost don't belong? And, I, and why I, I want to lift that out specifically is if you look at Ephesians, it states in there, till we all come to the unity of our faith. So, what are we talking of? Our people are not wanting to be under subjection. And I mean of a church. We want to argue all day long, make our young people insecure, but do we want to be under subjection of a church till these little petty things that I stand on will become one? I mean, there's a little verse there. But henceforth we be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You know, it uses the word children in there. Okay, we need to stop being children as men. Amen. Come under subjection as men. Yes. And hold ourselves together that these little things will be sorted out internally. It'll just come out. That it will be sorted out in order that we can become brothers and sisters. Okay, that's what I want to talk on today out of a different angle. You know, I want to talk, you know, the, the, the heading of my subject is A Thief Am I. If you look at that title, The Thief Am I, you are a thief. I am a thief. Let's open our Bibles in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 23. And we'll start in verse 35. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them deriding him, saying, he saved others. 
Let him save himself if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocking him, coming to him, offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. You know, we want an... You know, this was the Christ that was proclaimed as the Christ just a, a day or so ago. The son of David. And now they are doing what? They are mocking him. They are walking with this spirit of mocking coming through the streets. And then there's something happening that I find very interesting... As this is happening, Pilate comes and he writes something down. And he writes what? As this mocking goes on, Pilate comes forward and he writes as an example to the people. This is the king of the Jews showing people wake up to the sense this is the Christ. And as it goes on, there's a thief that hangs here next to Christ and he looks across and he says, sees this is the king of the Jews. And he's still caught up into the spirit that goes on. And he says, if you be the Christ, take me down here. But then there's another thief on this side. And he looks up and he sees something totally different. He sees something totally different. And he talks to that other thief, we deserve this. This one don't. And then he turns around to the Christ hanging there and he says, remember me when thou comest in thy kingdom. And what is Christ's answer? Today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. And then I'm asking you again, a thief am I? There's two thieves. Which one are you? And I could go quite in depth in on the first thief. But I'm noticing we have quite a few of that thief in our midst. Look at the worship of our God. Where do you stand on the worship of our God? For example, if I can use that example, if you look at Psalm 100... And the order of daily morning prayer. They go hand in hand. The one thief will say, 
I'll come in to the church after morning prayer. And the other thief will say, I want to be here. I'll be dressed accordingly to, to bring praise and honor and glory to my king. And I want to walk away from the thieves right now, but let this be in your forefront now as we go further. And as we grow older, you'll see we get more emotional. And I'm getting there now, but I'm getting more emotional too. And I look back at my life, and I want to lift four places out in my life that impacted me tremendously. And what I want to talk on, remember, I'm talking of those two thieves now, how you look at the cross of Jesus Christ. The first impact was what I want to call a funeral. And I was, I mean, I was very young. So I was preschool. I would, I would guess I was about four years old. And my father was bit by a snake, by an adder. And there was a country store close by. And he went over there and got kerosene. And the kerosene there was uh, uh, mixed purple. It was totally purple. And as he was sitting there in a container and having his foot inside, he talked to this old lady. And she denied Christ like you cannot believe how she person can deny Christ. And my father talked to her. She came out of a war, meaning the German war. And a lot of people after that war denied Christ to the hill. If Christ was real, he wouldn't have let this war happen. I mean, she was vehement. The next instant I remember after that, I was at the funeral. Nobody wanted to bury her, except this old preacher there in town. He said, I will do the funeral, but I'll do a funeral at the gravesite. And there was not many people there. I was just this little old, old little boy next to my father. And I remember this old man, a skinny, tall man, dressed in black. And you got this casket here over the open grave, and that finger. And it was like the finger of God to me where he showed that lady. And he said, this lady, if she didn't repent the last moments of her life, she's most likely in hell. But I'm not concerned about her. I'm concerned about you. And, you know, that little old finger, you know, I don't know if he just showed at me, but he probably showed at everybody. But I remember that finger showing at me. And I heard those words that he taught. But he's concerned about me. And he taught repentance. He taught that we need to be one with God again. And the only way to get there is through repentance, a change of life. That funeral changed my life. I right there and there decided I do not want to be on the other side of that. 
I wanted to live a repentant life. And the next story that I want to tell you was a film. In those days, we, did, we didn't grow up with electricity or thing. And they showed at the church a film, you know, reel-to-reel still with these big old reels. And it was a film called Elijah. Where Elijah, you know, was the whole story of Elijah. And it talked of coming back to the covenant. You left your God. That film impacted me as a little boy. And I want to read the, and I know that Brother Jeremiah talked the same thing of, uh, you know, uh, the, of Elijah, but I want to just highlight in 1 Kings 18 a few verses. First King 18, 21. It says, Eli- And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long... Halt ye between two opinions. If the Lord be God, follow him. Covenant. But if a Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. And then verse 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. Can you imagine the same people that couldn't answer him a word were now willing to draw nigh unto him? They started seeing as he was chiding these priests that they wanted to come near. In verse 36, And it came to pass at the evening time of offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Can you imagine those people sitting or standing there witnessing this? A call back to the covenants of your God? And that they grab those false prophets and slew them all. They were on fire because they had purpose again. And remember also, Elijah is very important. Isn't Elijah also going to return and bring the fathers back to the children and the children to their fathers? Not just also our fathers as Israel fathers, as a nation, as a people. And the next film that was also a reel-to-reel was Jesus of Nazareth. A call for a Savior. But to return to a Savior, to believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. It impacted my life. You know, we were actually planning something, but my little girl was not quite up to it. Why I want to lift out the next thing, but I think it was good enough. These two young people that were here this morning, these two children, how did they sound? 
It was like little angels yes. ministering to us. Amen. You might laugh now at the next film that impacted my life. Did you ever hear of a film, Heidi, Heidi? Oh, that's the film that impacted me. How can that impact you? You know how that impacted me? It was a call to come back to a mountain. Let me read you. You know, I try to find them in English. Heidi, Heidi, the mountains are your world. Heidi, Heidi, because up here you're at home. Dark green fir trees, green meadows in the sunshine, you need them to be happy. Heidi, Heidi, do come home, find your joy. Do come back home, do come back here. Up there in the high mountains, a little miss calls home. She's a good friend to all the animals, is happy all the time. Heidi, Heidi, the mountains are your world. Heidi, Heidi, because up here you're at home. Dark green firs, green meadows in the sunshine. You need them to be happy. Do come home, find your joy. Do come back here again. Let's t talk, and I want to really emphasize Heidi. Do we have a God that is on a mountain too? What is our mountain that we are longing for? Isn't it the mountain that will come down the city of God? Amen. That has a meadow for you? Amen. That has green grass for you? That has a tree of life for all your ails? Fresh water in a river that is clear as crystal to satisfy you that comes from the throne of God Amen. where the Son of Man sits. And let's go back. And this is the call that I want to make to each and every one today. To Luke chapter 32, uh, 23, I mean. It says right there in verse 42, And he said unto Jesus, and this is now this feast, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. This is that mountain. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee today, not tomorrow, or next week, or next year, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Dear people of God, our children can enter, you children, if you are looking for something more that you are longing for, you can find it. Even in the story of Heidi. You can find it because Jesus Christ has it for you today. You don't need to go anywhere than just your local church. 
and you'll find the fulfillment of that, what God has for you. Okay, and what do I talk of, fulfillment? If you look at Jesus Christ at that moment when he was on that cross, or the moments that he was on that cross, he gave you every tool that you needed to find peace and happiness. You don't need the arguing that is going on. You need to find peace. You need to find rest for your soul. That is the most important thing that Jesus is giving you on that cross. That states, this is the king of the Jews. The first one, and there's seven points on a cross. Does he say, Father, forgive him? for they know not what they do. So he's looking at you and saying that he already prayed for you. He already forgave you for whatever you did. And he's willing to embrace you in his arms as a child, as that little Heidi. The next one, the second one, is that one of a thief. Verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. How would you feel if Jesus Christ tells you that? You don't need to wait. You can just enter in. You can have totally peace. And then it says, the next one, Eli, Eli. You know, that is uh, interpreted, my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus went to that cross. He was the forsaken one. The same way you feel, he took it upon himself to be forsaken in order that you will be found. In order that you'll have at rest for your soul. You don't need to be forsaken anymore. Because even Jesus took that on himself. And then the next one, he says, woman, behold thy son. And he says, behold thy mother. You know, and it struck me. There's a brother that said here that he lost his family because of his faith. <laughs> he actually gained a family. He gained mother, father, sister, brother. Look around you. How many brothers and sisters do you have now? You have a multitude. Find that brother and sister and that friend that is even closer than a brother. Jesus even took that and gave it to you on that cross of deliverance. And then the next one, he says, probably barely even that you could hear. He says, I thirst. He was thirsting. In a physical body, yeah, his body was thirsting. But where was his ultimate thirst? He was thirsting for God. 
his Father, to be filled by the Holy Spirit. He took it on himself in order that you do not need to be thirst anymore. And let's look at the next one. He says, Father, in thy hands I command my spirit. Dear people, and I want to really talk on this one. We waited too long in Israel. We have that selfish spirit to stand on my hind heels that I know doctrine, I know everything better than my brother. Let go of your own will. And I mean, in Israel, if we want to be counted something for our children, if we want to give something for our children, we need to let go of that. And Christ did it on that cross. And he said, did he say one time, my will be done? Or did he always say, thy will be done? I am come to do thy will. That is the spirit that Christ gives us on that cross. And young people, the quicker you learn that, the better for your future. There's our dear pastor, he mentioned delayed repentance of Manasseh, king of, uh, the, the king Manasseh. Yes. I do not want to see a delayed repentance again. I don't want to see my grandchildren having to do it over again. I want to see it today. Because it is able, we have it in our grasp to redo it again. To have peace. And then he said the greatest words of all. It is finished. He did all this. It is finished, dear people in order that you can have victory. People of God, you are this thief hanging on this side and that side. What are you going to do? It is a decision you have to throw at at the cross of Christ. Which thief do I want to be? And dear people, I urge each and every one of you, look at Ephesians chapter 4. Look at it strongly. And let's build the church of God again. Let our children find that peace like Heidi has on that mountain. That we all can say the words of that thief, Remember me when thou gettest in thy kingdom. May you all be blessed.